Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Foundation by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside Zachary Newton, your other host. Welcome back. We're back, Zach, with episode six of season one titled Death and the Maiden. Man, I'll tell you what, great episode. It sounds like Death and the Maiden is outside of my door right now with this thunderstorm going on, though. So, yeah, it just started just hearing any here. noise. Yeah, that's what, that's what it is. But now, this honestly, like, this was a great episode. There's a lot of, you know, action packed things that happened in here. I'm really excited to see what happens on the planet that Empire has arrived at. Well, it's technically not a planet, it's a moon. Ah, that's right. It is a moon. You know, look at me. Uh, yeah. I like the fact that we just learn a lot about each. I feel like it's one of the first episodes where we get to see everyone's motivations pretty clearly and what they're mm. dealing with. Yeah. We get some more insight on Salvor and her visions that she's having. I think I think it's pretty safe to say that she's seeing these visions from Gail's perspective because there's moments in her vision later in the episode where she's wearing what Gail's wearing after she wakes up from her cryo session. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things that are coming together, we start to see why Harry needed to lead the plan of Raish killing him. We learn about Emperor Don and the fact yeah. that he's colorblind. wrong with him. Yeah, I, I, gl- I, I totally forgot to bring that up. He's not... Yeah. Em- like, the way that he said the line in this episode made it feel like he was not Empire, right? Like, yeah. he speaks of, like, no, Empire is not colorblind. I yeah, am. it's because he feels like, um, like a failure in his disability, right? But mm-hmm. it is true, maybe the strength of the clone is kind of whittling down over the generations. Who knows what the issue is there? But yeah. if he's the first in a line of 12 generations, then something has gone wrong in the cloning. But um, it's interesting because Emperor Day is breaking with a lot of tradition by going on this trip to the Maiden. Mm-hmm. You have Don, who's also breaking tradition with some of the stuff he's doing, at least that we know of. Maybe all of these brothers acted the same way when they were Don, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we've mentioned this before, but... We've watched the season before, but when I watched this episode, I didn't remember anything. Like I, I literally didn't remember a thing. Yeah, you know, that, I, that, I, I, I feel like I'm watching it again for the first time. It's the same yeah. thing for me. I've seen it before, but man, like there's a couple things here and there that I, I do recall. But like watching this, I, I literally feel like I'm watching it for the first time. Yeah, I, I really don't even remember how the season ends. I remember high points, but I mean, it, it'll be more fun for us personally to get into season two because we can get back to mm-hmm. kind of predicting and trying to see where the political moves are going. But I like this episode a lot because it's probably the most politically heavy episode or political intrigue heavy episode of the season. So yeah. before we get into the episode recap, let's well, do some I house. did I did want to respond to the thing that you said really quickly. So I don't think that all of the brothers have acted like this because if you see Brother Dusk later on, it really looks like he's spying in on Brother Dawn. Yeah, I I agree, but he has good reason to. So, before we get into the episode recap, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Some other programming we have coming this week, we just dropped our Black Mirror Season 6 Episode 2 Instant Reaction, which I thoroughly enjoyed reviewing. What is it called? Lock Henry was that episode. It was a proper murder mystery thriller. We also have our Silo Season 1 Season Finale Instant Reaction dropping on Thursday night and our Deep Dive dropping on Sunday night. And if you stay tuned, we'll probably do one last mailbag for the season if we get a good enough amount of mail in for Silo before we pivot our attention towards finishing Foundation Season 1 as we prepare for Foundation Season 2 launching July 14th. 
And at that point, we will also be changing the name of the podcast to reflect the show that is our focus. So right now you see Silo on Apple TV by Story Archives. It will change to Foundation on Apple TV by Story Archives. So that's all. Thank you for tuning in. Let us know how you're enjoying the other shows. And if you have any other suggestions that you would like to see on this channel, email us at contact at soapbox.house. And if you want to join the Soapbox Club, hit the link in the description that Zach has so gloriously prepared in there to join the Soapbox Club by simply joining our email newsletter. Free of charge, nothing you got to pay. You'll just be in the loop with what we're doing all year. So yeah. Absolutely. Don't forget it. Yeah. And uh, as always, like, rate, follow if you like the show and leave us a review if you're just feeling glorious right now. If you're feeling like Emperor Day, having just jumped across the galaxy to go to this... Uh, well, hopefully a better place in this hellhole look of a planet called Maiden. <laughs> so, all right, let's get into the episode recap. Let's do it. We continue with the Gale narrations to start these episodes. She starts with, as a child, I heard stories of Trantol. Because um, where she grows up in on the planet of Synax, everyone on there, on the planet of Trantor, is, is like a heretic, you know, worshiping mm-hmm. a false god of this emperor who denies the power of the sleeper. He considers himself above the sleeper's words, as Gale says. Which makes me wonder, sleeper, eternal sleep equals death. Is the god of Synax like the like death itself? Is that sort of the I don't know. implication there? I kind of interpret it as, I mean, they, they worship this thing, this god, but I mean, he's letting all of this stuff happen on this planet, you know, where... The water's rising, so maybe he's just asleep. Like, I, I didn't think about it as him being the, the god of death or anything like that. Well, it's interesting how her inner dialogue or her narration of him thinking of himself higher than God, right, mm-hmm. is kind of counter to this entire episode where it feels like he's the most human he's ever been, right? We see the very human side of a brother's day, dawn, and dusk in, yeah. all, in, in very different ways, but in Day's scenario, we're seeing that he has to actually go to sleep to do the jump, uh, the the jump across the galaxy, right, or whatever they mm-hmm. call it, the jump drive. Yeah. Unlike Gale, if you remember when she's going yeah, she through Synax and Trantor, mm-hmm. so makes me wonder once again, what is Gale's gift? How is she able to do these things that other people are not? I feel like it was just like the like intuition that woke her up. Like it's, it's like just being put to sleep, but something could wake you up. I am more intrigued by what on earth these spacers are, though. Yeah, are they a are they cyborgs? What are they? They kind of look computerized, but I I haven't like this was the most clear image of them that we've seen so far, but. It, it doesn't look super obvious. Like, I don't know if they're just modified beings or aliens or maybe they are completely technical. I, I'm not sure. Well, the emperor goes so far as saying he doesn't really consider them human when he's talking to Demerzel, which we get a kind of a flashback moment, right? Remember when this emperor day is a kid, we get a scene where he's very much watching Demerzel getting ready and doing her preparations. And now she references that as he's in the room, as she's covering up her you know, her mm-hmm. uh, AI robot scar- uh, scars or patch of skin, right? Yeah. Um, I also wanted to point to something that Gail says in the opening narration. She says, I saw a man who in all of his lifetimes had never felt doubt until he encountered Harry Seldon. Once again, putting Harry Seldon like on this prophet-like level. Pedestal, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's several times in this episode where the Foundation followers on Terminus say, thank Seldon 
or you know they they say that they literally say it as like he's a god mm-hmm. right yeah which makes me wonder how far does harry's clarity on his vision or his psychohistory extend right yeah i mean it does seem in you know a lot of these shows especially when we're on some sort of remote area everybody always wants something to believe in so they're they're here they all believe in the mission what so he, he he's the prophet it makes sense yeah i agree I, I think another thing that i found curious in this episode is all of the traditions being broken right mm. we see emperor day eating dinner or eating a meal for the first time without his brothers yeah which is interesting while we also see Brother Don split off from Dusk while they're hunting. I mean, he has his own reasons of trying to hide his colorblindness, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that later. We also get a bit of insight into Demerzel and the fact that this AI, while sworn in duty to serving the Emperor for all eternity, pretty much, she also has her faith and she is a believer in Luminism, which is the most popular religion in the galaxy, older, predating the Empire itself, according to Day. And it holds about 3 trillion believers. Yeah, which is a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was your take on Demerzel here? I mean, the, one of the big things about Luminism is the fact that they believe in the three goddesses, the maiden, the mother, and the crone, and how these goddesses were one, and then they split into three. I couldn't help but see the imagery between the three goddesses and the emperor, the, the genetic mm-hmm. dynasty, right? Like you have, yeah. I wonder if Cleon the first, you know, would have created this sort of system with luminism in mind, you know, maybe he saw himself as the embodiment of the three goddesses, so to speak, you know? Yeah. I could totally see that being the case. Um, you know, it, it is very interesting. The, the parallels that we see between luminism and the empire. I, I mean, from what I recall in the last episode, there was there was two people that were trying to kind of rise up through the ranks, right, to be elected as this uh, individual. I can't remember the name. Of yeah, the title. Zephyr Zephyr Galat was like the emperor's yeah, choice, pick, and then you have yeah. then you have uh, Zephyr Halima as the yeah. kind of ch- the challenger type, the one who is not really welcomed, and she actually is the one who welcomes them to mm. the planet solo. So she really is poking the bear. At all times in this episode, pretty much. But yeah. Empire gets the suspicion that she's after something. Somebody who was pure and in intent wouldn't do the things that she's doing in this episode is his take. And yeah. like Tommy uh, in Peaky Blinders <laughs> says, when he just throws money at people, it's kind of, you know, what's I think occurring here. But mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to get to Demerzel's faith because she does explain why she holds her faith and why she has searched for this uh, meaning in life, right? Yeah. She says, from the moment you and your brothers are born into this world, you and your brothers know your purpose, but the rest of us have to seek these things on our own. So despite her having this purpose to serve and she knows her purpose, she feels that there's something deeper that she should be striving towards, right? Mm-hmm. And you have that key moment in this episode where Emperor Day is pretty much standing alone with nobody with him as the entire planet around him worships uh, the mother, right? Yeah. And he's left there standing alone, like the only one in defiance, right? Yeah, exactly. I kind of find it interesting that the the AI, the, the robot Demerzel, is able to kind of believe in things and have her own sort of, I, I guess, opinions. And, and, you know, she's just, she's like the most human 
robot system I've ever seen. She says a few other things that are pretty interesting. She says the search for meaning is not always about the answer. It's also the process of seeking that enlightens. Then she says the goddesses didn't choose to be split into three. They longed to be made one again, which made me wonder this scene with Dusk in, in earlier in the season where he goes mm. into the baby room, right? Yeah. Do you think that there's this longing of the brothers to just come back to being one? Because they're pretty much three versions of the same person, three phases yeah. of a life, adolescence, adulthood, mm-hmm. and pretty much old age, right? Yeah. To come back into one would be something that I think explains why Day is so enraptured by what Demerzel's saying at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost wondering if if that's kind of like what they're trying to make a point of with this, uh, the clones that seem to be... Uh, growing more poorly if you will right like it looks like we're having issues at least with this brother dusk and even the previous brother dusk who's now brother day mm-hmm. i mean again remember back in back in the what was the first episode i think it was he's asking all of these questions mm-hmm. about is it always going to be this way and i feel like there's ju- there's just this like downward trend with these uh three different uh, brothers and clones. So, yeah, yeah I don't well, know. Maybe that's just nature's way of handling it. Yeah, I mean, is Don so dis- different from Day? Day is breaking with every tradition possible at this moment mm-hmm. doing this, but I sort mm-hmm. of agree with his approach. So, Zephyr Halimo welcomes them while Day refuses for Demerzel to stay on the ship. She feels like she would be a political weakness because the entire planet knows that she is a believer in Luminism. So, But him seeing her as his one true confidant demands that she go with him yeah are you drinking the water that zephyr halima offers him upon arrival if you're the emperor i mean she did drink it too but are you, are you drinking it though if if i were the emperor and i were that much of an important person probably not no yeah. but if i'm just some uh, joe schmo off the street probably not gonna be poisoned <laughs> yeah well back on terminus we're pretty much seeing the aftermath of the empire ship that was taken down and the right-hand man of Farah in this ghost army of Anacreans that he labels himself as, they take the commander hostage because really the main objective of these Anacreans in this episode is to leave the planet and to search for a ship called the Invictus, mm-hmm. which is this fabled destroyer ship that potentially has the capabilities of destroying entire planets, which kind of goes in line with all of Farah's plans as we know them so far. Definitely does. I was very surprised that this guy was still alive. I the mean, commander? If you remember, yeah, this whole yeah. ship disintegrating and it's just him. Oh my gosh. The explosion at the end of the last episode was magnificent. Like, yeah. how are you How are you still alive? Yeah. You should be burnt to a crisp. Just you know, not able to be found. Really quick. There's no blood in this episode, but there had to have been hundreds of people who died in this episode because directly after the scene where they take the commander hostage, we mm-hmm. see these kids who we open up the season with who are trying to get close to the vault and passing out one by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see little Polly here, who's the one who I think Salvor's like uh, nicest to half the time yeah. or sees like as a little brother. And he gets rescued by Gia, who they slip away into these vents that very conveniently lead them directly to Salvor, who's been taken hostage by Farah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the whole... Like, did the Anacreans wipe out the whole town? That that was really my point here. Did they kill everybody in this town besides... Not not the whole town, I don't believe. But man, they sure... Yeah, they, they sure killed a lot of people here. I mean, it looked like every... Basically every adult at some point here. There's bodies all over the ground. And these kids oh are gosh. just kind of like laughing and like, hey, Polly, you're alive. 
Yeah, let's get out of here. Come on, yeah. into the vent. Yeah, no, I, I think they, they slaughtered a lot of people. I mean, in the end of the episode, it didn't look like there was that many left. Mostly like, what, a few women and children, it seemed. I don't I don't think they killed every man, woman, mm -hmm. and, you know, out there. But I think anybody that kind of had arms or was outside... I think I think they're uh, they killed all the extras. They're dead. They killed all of the non-core characters. There's not a single core character who dies in this episode besides Abbas, uh, Sabor's yeah. um, father Dad. figure. We know it's yeah. not his real, her real father, but um, let's continue. Farah refuses to kill Salvor because, thankfully for Salvor, she made it very clear that she has something to do with this vault. Mm -hmm. uh, so she thinks that she's the key to whatever's going on there, and she wants to use her to this advantage, but. From then, Pharaoh's really her main goal is that she needs to repair the Invictus, which they have come across. Everybody, Salvor mentions that this ship is this supposed ghost ship, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but Pharaoh's obviously found it amongst the Anthor belt that we find out is the, the destination they're going to head to. And she needs all of the brightest minds from the foundation to come with her in order to get this ship back into working order. Mm -hmm. For the reasons of, I'm assuming, destroying Trantor. That would be my assumption. That, I mean, if I were in her shoes, it's definitely what I would be on a mission to do at this point. Damn, Zach. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, you, your whole planet got slaughtered by the Empire. I mean, I'd have some revenge to get there too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, given that this is some destroyers, I'm sure it's a massive destroyer. Uh, don't you think you need more than like two, three people to Well, she ends up taking, she ends up taking like five to eight people, right? Yeah, but still, I mean, how long has it been out of commission? Like it's yeah, like don't, like I would want to bring like a bunch of engineers or something, but hey, that's just me. They might have killed them all. That's yeah, maybe. I'm joking. Although although it looked like I mean, she she has like a checklist. She's like, I need this person and this person. Well, she knows exactly what she needs. That individual. It's like she know she knew the role that she needed, which um, makes you wonder, it. like. What has Farrah's journey been like that she understands every single role she needs to get this ship back in working order? Have they already scoped this ship out? Did she take like a contractor out there and he was like, all right, we need astronautics. Uh, we need, you know, we need a pilot. You know, what does she come to this planet with? Like, she doesn't have a pilot. Remember, like at the end of this episode, she needs a pilot to pilot the beggar, which is Hugo's ship. Well, we, remember. Why do you need Hugo? I'm just saying well, like they all flew here in Corvettes. Yeah, they did, but Abbas blew up the Corvettes, right? Yep. So you can't fly another ship. It's not like a transferable well, the skill. Only, the only other ship was Hugo's ship, right? Which he locked to Salvor. But you don't need Hugo if you have another pilot in your crew. But it was, you do though, because the ship was locked to Hugo. No. So the was, ship would not work unless it was Hugo flying. And then he locked it to Salvor. So then you no longer need Hugo. But Salvor doesn't know how to fly a ship. So that's why you bring your crew member and he can teach her how to fly the ship and you kill Hugo. Yeah, maybe, maybe. My only thing is, is that I guess you need to keep Hugo alive because if you kill Hugo, Salvor probably just becomes despondent and just, she just wants to die probably or like not yeah. cooperate at all. Yeah. Right? I also don't know how unique like these ship controls are, right? Like, yeah. is it like hopping in, in you know, one Car? automatic, you like a VW yeah. and then hopping into a BMW or is it like, I don't know flying a plane and driving a car who knows i mean <sighs> see this, these are the questions these these are the questions that we can never answer all right well while farah is distracted of getting her new crew together for her own dubious purposes 
Gia and Polly save Salvor from being hostage, and Salvor regroups with Abbas and Hugo, enacting a plan to take out the Anacreans before they can strike first. Mm-hmm. And we can skip forward over to when she gets with Hugo and Abbas. Yeah. Actually, we can go towards Don here, who has this moment with the garden girl, as I'm calling her. Can we find out what this girl's name? I am baffled, and I do not feel like looking it up right now on IMDb. As to what the garden girl's name is. Yeah. Yeah. I believe her name is Amy Tiger in real life. No, no, I don't care about her, her name in real life. No, oh, I mean, Az- I do, but like in the show. Azura. Zira? Azura. Azura. Okay. I don't feel like we knew that yet, but anyways, uh, Emperor Day, aka Sean, I mean, Emperor Don, aka Sean Mendez, look like, uh, apologizes <laughs> to her for. Pretty much the treatment he gave her after she witnessed him trying to kill himself. And it seems very quickly to me that he has fallen in love with this girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he looks head over heels for her. Yeah. As as much as Empire can be head over heels for anything. <laughs> I mean, he goes so far as picking out a prostitute who looks just like her later in this episode. Yeah, that threw me the first time I watched it. I was like, wait, is that like that was quick. That what he got over her. Oh, you mean that get like having sex with this girl immediately? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what he, I thought. He probably you, could. To my room. He oh, probably could. Totally. He, he could. I, he, could, he could just say like, "Hey, take her to my room right now." Exactly. I feel like his walking away from this girl and everything else that's been kind of weird. Like the moment somebody's walking by, I feel like it's protecting her. Like yeah. she would be dead already. So he could totally have whoever, whenever. Yeah. Well, one of the things occurring in this episode is that. It's time for the hunt. This is like the episode where Brother Don is supposed to become a man. And usually it's Day who walks him through these ceremonies, but Dusk is there. And I got to say, of the three brothers, Dusk seems to be the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the most corrupted. Like, I don't know. He just feels like deranged half the time. Well, remember, this Brother Dusk is the one that has blown up the planets, right? True. True. So that's him. This is World of Shore. He is also like overcompensating half the time for all of his failures. So, yeah. Let's continue. They're hunting for gilly raptors, which apparently are known for blending into their environment. But this is something I had forgotten completely. I remember he had killed more raptors than Dusk mm-hmm. did. And then he was like scheming to hide the extra ones that he killed because Dusk had never killed more than three. Yeah. Well, if you're hunting a creature that you have to focus on its movement because it blends in perfectly with its environment. Being colorblind is about the most perfect advantages you can have in this situation. Yep. So he's busy you, trying you to... use the movement. Yeah. yeah. So he's pretty much trying to hide this, this uh, disability he has um, from his brother, who I don't know what they would do with that information. Are they going to kill him if they find that out? What's, do you start over with a new baby? Like, what's, the, what's the situation? That's the part that's th- that throws me, right? Like, I imagine you would have to kill this... I mean, imposter, really, right? Like, you are not one of us. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I guess. what would you do? What would you do if you were Empire and you, you found out that this individual you were raising for 18 plus years was not like you? He was not truly a clone. Does it really matter? What do you need I'm, to see color for if you're, if you're the Emperor? Well... Is how colorblind is he? Are we talking? Is it like I'm, is it I'm like assuming. he could if he sees blue like in a very like a very dark blue, it's black, or is it like he literally can't see color? 
I I would imagine it's just complete color blindness. Oh, then we'd kill him. Absolutely, we kill. Yeah, him. See exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the only rational. <laughs> it's the only rational thing to do. Clearly, send mm-hmm. him straight to the vaporizing room. Oh yeah, that would be a quick way to do him in. Yeah. I wonder how long it's another baby grown. No, long. but I guess it wouldn't be that long. Real, real talk though, Azura mentions that it's a quick fix. We live in the future. She says it's a quick fix to fix color blindness. Why not just fix it real quick and just keep on fixing it? Because they would know. Right, that, then you like, kill the I guy like, who I fixed like, the color. Eh. Yeah. I'm saying like if the emperor needs to... Oh, you're saying if he went secretly to go get it fixed. Yeah. I, I'm I saying if like the brothers just took him. You know? Oh, see, that, that's the thing though. Like you have to be perfect. You have to be this person. Like the, their sole purpose in life is to be a perfect clone. And he's just not. Yeah. Well, regardless of him trying to hide something, Dusk is onto him the entire episode. Oh gosh, yeah. Does when the prostitute I call, you come? Does the prostitute uh, lie to him later in the episode? Because she says she can't remember anything after, but then she goes directly to Dusk and gives him a full report, like Don Draper hearing about Betty's therapy sessions. Well, remember, and you know, a, a couple of episodes ago, that was a great episode. Yeah, um, a couple of episodes ago, we saw that when Brother Day was with the uh, the prostitute, mm-hmm. they wipe their memory right like so they don't remember anything like they have this switch that gets turned off so i guess he flipped the switch well i i think it was brother dusk that may have had her sense in or helped like hand pick her or something and just never wiped the memory right like so i I think that was the extent of it back on the maiden which is a planet that you wouldn't catch me dead on it's just an absolute hellhole of a planet there's no water anywhere everything looks terrible it's like living on the moon like why live on this horrible planet but <laughs> let's continue uh emperor day finally gets a proper welcoming from zephyr galat who is kissing his behind the entire episode because she's like his little crony puppet you know she's mm-hmm. the one who's gonna rule in the empire's favor here while zephyr halima definitely has her own motives but uh we are to find those out later and i'll be damn frank with you i don't remember what her motives are but Maybe we <laughs> you know it's like you ever seen like a one of these over-the-top, like, two charismatic preachers? Uh, all too much, yes. Yeah, we're like, it's like, oh my gosh, man, give it a rest. It just feels so inauthentic. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear when I hear Zephyr Halima speak. It's like speaking to, you know, whoever's getting fooled by it is just, is too easily fooled. Yeah. And she's just there, like, with the whole, it's just so political. So yeah, political. It, it feels very fake. Yeah. Uh, there's no other way for me to put that. Yeah. Well, Zephyr Galat and her, it seems like her advisor of sorts, gives a lowdown to the entire situation going on of what is the political, like who's winning the political race, so to speak. And she talks about the um, the fact that Halima is a legit contender. And mm-hmm. the emperor does something that he doesn't do for Zephyr Halima, which is he drinks from the cup that Galat offers him and does not drink from the cup that Halima offers him. Yeah. And he also promises a planet-wide desal- uh, desalination system. Mm-hmm. So pretty much trying to give them clean water because like I said, this planet is a hellhole and they have no clean water anywhere. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to live there. I'd rather live on the, the Sahara Desert, the yeah, desert you, desert. You know, you can practice luminism in, in Trantor, you know, like go practice it somewhere else like where I can drink some filtered water. I don't have yeah, to any, drink Anywhere salt other than water. the dry death planet. Yeah. Although I, I feel like they... They have some relationship to this place. Yeah. Yeah. 
I see a parallel between, as we go back to Terminus, between Salvor and Raish in this episode, where Raish's actions leads, according to Harry, to the necessity of Harry's death. And now Salvor's actions, albeit a little bit less, um, it's really not Salvor's fault, but her actions do inadvertently lead to her father figure here, Abbas, dying. And we get this whole background on Abbas and why he joined the foundation, which was because he was really trying to go to sleep with her mother. Uh, mm-hmm. that's what he says. Well, he was in love with her, but you know, he very, mentions very that noble, yeah. as his, as his, um, reasoning for joining the foundation, which I gotta say, I'm sure he's putting it lightly because to join a foundation expedition to the edge of the galaxy, mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta be in love with the girl who you joined that ship with. I would imagine so. I mean, I don't, I don't think it would have been that difficult of a decision for him. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I, I think I mean if you really love her, I mean you're just gonna you're gonna go. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. come on, uh, uh, I'm a, I'm assuming it would be a free ride on this. What are you trying to say? Ship. What are you talking? Whoa. Well, I mean, is the empire not sending certain people over <laughs> I there? Bet. Right? I thought you were talking. Oh about no, else. I was not talking about that. Kind wow, of man, come on. Jeez, Hot dang. Uh, right. Yeah, back to the show. No, I just I, I think if he's really in love with her, I mean, it, it would be an easy decision. It just felt like they were giving him background only to make it more emotional when he dies later. That's what it yeah, felt li- like. Yeah, literally moment. moments later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to be here anyways. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, he does okay. say the key thing, you know, where he said, she asked him, was it worth it? And he says, well, I got you out of it, didn't I? So mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of father's love that she needed to hear before having to deal with this situation, right? Yeah. Anyways. They continue. Let's push forward here. We already spoke about the prostitute who Don gets with on the planet. You can just keep skipping until we get to Abbas going down and the explosion. Probably the most interesting bit of the episode is right when Salvor's getting into position to execute on the attack, she gets this crazy vision of Harry on the ship, something we've never seen before. It's his mm-hmm. conversation with Raish and how Raish is... Zach, suspend your disbelief on psychohistory. Raish's singular act of being with Gale was enough to overthrow the entirety of Harry's fortune, his entire plan. (laughs) And if that's the case, let me ask you this. Okay. Is Harry just more concerned about his legacy at this point? Because what does that plan look like? What happens in the galaxy? Or is it because the foundation is the last hope and if Raish stays with her, the foundation goes to crap, the empire goes down, and the entire galaxy is in darkness for far longer than Harry wanted it to be. Man, that is a great question that I don't have an answer to. I don't even know what to speculate there. Um, I, I'm, all right, sus- suspending my disbelief of psychohistory, knowing his character, Harry's character, mm-hmm. I feel like this is still very much for himself. Like, I don't think he cares about the Empire. We are definitely not part of the Harry fan club at this Ed, point. He's great, great actor, man, but not, not the character. He's selfish. Yeah, well, he's run the numbers, Zach, so he doesn't care what you say, and he says the only way to reverse everything that's gone wrong is that Raish must kill him. He can't kill himself. <laughs> Raish must kill him. Yeah, I don't. And he's like, not why to implicate can you not Gale. kill yourself? I don't get that. Well, my main issue is the fact that he tells Raish he must kill him to reverse everything, and then he must get on the pod because it's programmed for him. Yeah, Raish kills him. It doesn't follow the simple instruction of getting on the pod. 
And now I feel like the plan is back in action, like it's still working. Mm-hmm. Like we're still back on track with the plan because, you know, I just think we are. Yeah. But Rache doesn't know that. So he imme- he kills his dad pretty much or his stepdad pretty much. Yeah. And immediately disregards his instruction to get on the pod. And he does it because he sees Gale. He's not supposed to see Gale after it happens. That's why he says, Gale, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. But nonetheless, <laughs> very little instruction from Harry before all of this. He doesn't say the knife. Does he say the knife is programmed? Was that like intuitive? I, mm, what maybe. if he leaves the knife? If the knife stays, that door never opens and they're screwed. I have a feeling he knows. But um, yeah, I, I do feel like we are back on track with, I don't want to say the plan. Like, I, like it's a variation I got, I got of the more, plan would be my guess. I've got more things to nitpick. Okay. If Harry well, couldn't predict this, okay, if Harry could not predict the everything falling apart, why was the ship out there? Why did a pod need to be programmed? How did he get the ship out there before knowing? I Were they know. always going to leave the ship? What was that plan? I don't know why you would leave the ship. Like, they're, like what is the purpose? Raish and Gale weren't together back on Trantor. They got together on the ship, pretty much. If, was, was Harry going to leave the ship, do you think? If, if Gale and Raish didn't get together and well, this plan didn't go to crap. Harry never predicted leaving the planet alive. He thought the Emperor was going to kill him, but Gale talks true. him out of it. Pretty much. That's what occurs there. Hmm. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. It's hard to believe psychohistory, man. No, I'm it's listening. Hard, it's, I'm listening it's to the email. To trust it at least. I yeah, enjoy, no, I'm listening I, I, to the email. I'm enjoying the show. I'm gonna believe Harry's math here, but I'm right now. I'm kind of Team Emperor. I don't like this Emperor Don, but I like Emperor Day. You don't like Emperor Don. Don is the kid, man. He's the yeah, kid who's breaking all these rules. I'm not a big fan of him. Oh, you gotta break some rules to have some fun. And he's colorblind. I'm just uh, kidding. Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, Nah, I mean, who knows, man? For wow. the Empire. Totally for the Empire. Okay, well, Don has a romantic first date on the ledge of, the same ledge that he was going to try to kill himself on. He takes off his protective bracelet and this girl refuses to wear it, so he does the rational thing and throws the bracelet down to the floor. And before refusing, you know, both of them, they're refusing to kill each other. They kiss hmm. after their refusals to push each other's off the ledge, right? Yeah, that's great. I, like, get goosebumps just watching them at this yeah. height yeah yeah would not definitely don't take your girlfriend out on a ledge for a first date yeah don't yeah don't have your first kiss on the edge of a skyscraper looking down at certain death and there's a breeze too man oh yeah the, those drapes yeah. are flapping in the wind back there yeah yeah in fact but their hair is not moving her yeah, hair is not, not moving like a little bit just a little. Maybe maybe there's just some like like an AC blowing or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, in the delay that occurs after Salvor has her vision, Abbas gets shot and he detonates the bomb that explodes. It already occurred. Um that blows up all of the Anacreans who are near the Corvettes. So I don't believe he wiped out the entire Anacreon army, but he definitely took out a good portion of them that were in the Corvettes field, leaving Hugo's ship as the only one left on the planet to get off the yeah. planet. Yeah. Um, and before we get to that scene where they hit the ship, 
the spy master here who's working for Dusk <laughs> encounters the extra corpses of Gilly Raptors that Don was so careful to tell his assistant to get rid of, which he obviously did not do a very good job of. Well, even we saw him throw him in a bush, but I yeah. don't know why the spy master's looking for him. Well, Dusk, I mean, he knows himself pretty well, right? He knows how he acted as Don. So he's seeing probably all of these differences in the way he acted and in the way they acted, right? Yeah. And he's thinking to himself, this kid is just weird. We got to see what the hell's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, their duty is to continue Cleon the first vision and to fulfill it, right? And to continue yeah. growing the empire, but... Absolutely. Yeah. I would have just lied and, you know, tried to play it off with like, oh, I was just following your instructions, man. You shouldn't have given me such good details. Well, I guess the way it goes is that... If they are all the same, then they shouldn't be able to kill more than the other. Their yeah. skills should be exactly the same, right? Talk about like limiting potential, man. You, you don't, you, no one's going to want to try harder for anything. Oh, yeah. uh, you didn't do it or you could only do it twice. So I'm only going to do it twice and yeah. take it easy the rest of the time. Back on the Maiden, our final scene of this luminous planet, we kind of have the Proxima Opals funeral going on and Zephyr Galat's speech is interrupted by Zephyr Halima who in my opinion is poking a lot of uh, fun at the genetic dynasty in a way or kind of roundabout way like her speech can either be taken as a positive about the genetic dynasty or a negative depending on which direction she takes it and mm. I could be reading that completely the wrong way but I, th I thought the purpose was that she can sway the planet in either direction either to be for the idea that the emperor has a soul or against the idea that the emperor has a soul. That's the way I took it. And probably the most important part of that scene is the fact that Demerzel bows to the mother. So she goes with her religious belief over her belief in her purpose, right? Which is to serve the yeah. emperor. So yeah. thoughts on the overall scene here, Zephyr Halliman, and how, um, how you saw this speech and, or how you interpreted the words she was using in it? Well, I think, I think you're kind of right about the speech, right? Like it could lean either way. And I mean, in my mind, it kind of, it kind of feels like a show of, of power, right? Like it's not just like, oh, here's my agenda, right? But it's kind of like reminding you that like I could make them go whichever way I want this thing to go. Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that's exactly what it is. Are there only women on this planet? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, there sure is a lot. They may have a population. No, issue. I think oh, there's, no, there's a some few. men. There's, there's still, a few men. The ratios, though. Holy moly. <laughs> it's a, it leaves for a good night. You're telling me these guys <laughs> probably have, they're probably 20 it's to like 1. 10 out to there. 1. 10 to 1, 20 to 1. Holy. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is like within like this religious area here. Like maybe there's more elsewhere. You think they just keep the men around for the procreation, but they seem very. The men do not seem like they're in charge of this society no, at all. They they do not, not at all. I mean, yeah. this is all about the, the triple goddess, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final scene. Salvor and Hugo are caught by Farah, where Hugo very quick on his feet. I like Hugo. He's probably my favorite character on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, quick on his feet, changes ownership of the ship to Salvor because he's trying to protect his love there. And I don't know if he intended this, but he's pretty unkillable because apparently the entire Anacreon army does not know how to fly a ship. And so they need Hugo. But realistically, are you really going to be able to get Salvor to listen to you if you kill Hugo? 
That's mm-hmm. the way I took it. You know, I was just going to you know, ask a question here because Hugo is Thespin, right? Yes, he is. So maybe Thespin ships and the Anacreon ships are built intentionally differently because they were at war so that the others did not know how to use the ships. Interesting. Yeah, maybe that's why nobody here knows how to fly a ship. I can see that being the case. Solid point. Solid yeah. point. It's like driving the left side of the road instead of the right. I love the fact that Hugo's ship is called the beggar while he's like a successful smuggler tradesman. <laughs> you know, I love that. That's a great name for a ship. Yeah. Well, we find out the location. Well, actually before that, Salvor actually breaks the news to her mother that Abbas is dead. Terrible news to get while your only daughter is being shipped off to a planet and for all you know, possibly her death. Mm-hmm. Uh, the direction that they're heading is the Anthor Belt, which is, I guess, where we can presume is the Invictus ship that is there and waiting for repair. Yes. And as they're leaving the planet, I got to say, I had a, uh, something to nitpick. Okay. They fly directly over the vault, which is a lot yes. bigger. Yes. The vault looks a lot bigger than first and foremost I thought it was. I mean, it looks like it extends into the atmosphere the way that they fly over it. And secondly, would it, I mean, the vault would probably have some sort of electrical effect on the ship, right? In some way? Well, it didn't have any effect on the speeders or, or anything that was like on the ground that they were driving around. Yeah. It just had effects on the people. I was expecting them to fly by this thing and like- And everyone have, pass out? Exactly. Everybody. Except Salvar. I would have screamed at her if I was fair. Like, hey, <laughs> away Go from the that other thing. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But eh, that was the thing. Guess not. And that concludes- the recap of episode six, the death and the maiden or death and the maiden. Yeah. Final great thoughts. Episode. Final thoughts. Gr- great episode. I like it. You know, for, for an episode that, I mean, we're, we're still setting some things up, you know, like there's a lot of, of uh, action that happens in some of these, some of these episodes, but there's also just a lot down the road that's being set up right now it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive but they do a good job at keeping this interesting i'm excited for the next episode i i like brother dusk more than you do just saying no i like i said i don't like don brother don's my bad i like brother don i think he's he's different He's new. He's fresh. He brings different ideas, a different perspective. He does. He does, he does make the formula more interesting. If he was a yeah. normal emperor, then it wouldn't be as fun. But yeah, we are left with Salvor trying to derail Ferris' plans. We have the emperor who's trying to get a hold of the situation of the maiden. We have Dusk who's trying to get to the bottom of what's going on with Don, and we don't get any bit of Gale, who we know no. we left on the ship and who is on her way to Helicon. Yes. Harry's home planet. So Yeah, there's so many different like little little miniature storylines going on in here right now. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I want to see some more Gale. Yeah, same, same. It's like we never get enough Gale, but... I know. We hear her in the beginning and at the end of the episode, yeah. but sorry, and, it's just not enough. And I'm not a fan of Don't those narrations either, so... Yeah. All right, uh, let's get into the categories. What do you got today, Zach? Categories. Favorite character. I'm going to go with... You go first. Okay. I I'll go with uh I'll go with Brother Don. Brother Don. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna go with 
I'm going to go Brother Day here. Actually, he doesn't really do much in this episode. Yeah, he doesn't. I almost picked Brother Day. His mission that he's on is just the most interesting to me. It is a very interesting mission. I mean, there's a lot at stake here, but not too much has happened. It's just been very like, oh, hello, greetings. Part part of me wants to go... eh. I'm going to go Brother Dusk, actually. I'm going to go Brother Dusk, the one who's spying on Don. Because okay. he's, he's so on top of what's going on that I, I found that pretty interesting. We are taking some differing sides of that yeah. rope there. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had like that divergent choice. I there. know. <laughs> All right. Best scene in the episode. I'm going with the Salvor vision of Harry and Raish. I thought that was the best scene in the episode. It was definitely very, very eye-opening. I actually liked uh, Polly and Gia saving uh, Salvor. Oh, okay. It was cute. It was kind of cute. It felt very Star Wars-y. Yeah. We're here to save you. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Best line of the episode. Oof. Um, I think I have have Demerzel here. Go for it. Where it is. Let me pull it up. The search for meaning is not always about the answer. It's also the process of seeking that enlightens or something like that. And then she also has a runner-up where she says, from the moment you and your brothers were bo- are born into this world, you and your brothers know your purpose, but the rest of us have to seek these things on our own. I thought that was, that was too good. That is, that is a good one. I picked my line from your favorite scene. Oh. It's between Raish and Harry. Do you trust me? I wish I never met you. Yeah, he says, yeah, I wish I never stole those books. Yeah, yeah I wish I never stole those books. <laughs> yeah, that was but good. you did. And now we're here. <laughs> you literally just made the exact facial expression that Harry makes to Rache there. That was pretty, yeah. that was pretty impressive. I, I saw it in the camera and I was like, damn, that looked just like the, like the yeah, show. He literally does that <laughs> same eyebrow thing. Yeah. All right. Is that it? That's all I have got, my friend. All right, ladies and gents. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Foundation by Story Archives. We will be continuing our series next week with episodes seven and eight, following up the following week with episodes nine and ten. As we look forward to July 14th, season two premiering. And we're going to be doing a season two trailer breakdown coming soon, but stay tuned for that. I still have not watched it. I am holding off on that trailer, man. I will say I did watch it and it looks incredible, but I will not say anything until we do that breakdown. And in other housekeeping, tune into our Silo series as we close out Silo season one, which has taken the world by storm. In fact, Apple just dropped the entire first full episode on Twitter and Elon Musk retweeted it. It has Mm -hmm. over 5.4 million impressions last time I checked last night and it probably has way more. So see that show as it skyrocketed to the number one charts of Apple already several times this season. And we look forward to closing out with the season finale with our instant reaction on Thursday night, which you can catch here on anywhere you listen to podcasts and our deep dive, usually Sundays around 9 p.m. Eastern time match that up with wherever you are in the world and as always reach out to us at contact at soapbox at house with any emails fan theories thoughts suggestions or if you just want to say hi and zach you hit us with that nice and polished outro of yours well thank you for listening to this episode of foundation by story archives you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts apple spotify and google podcasts we are on youtube at soapbox podcast network so be sure to take a look at all of the different playlists that we have on there for the different shows that we've been covering you can visit our website at soapbox.house email us at contact at soapbox.house and finally there is a link in the description below for you to join our quarterly newsletter we would love to see you on it beautiful 
Have a good week, everybody. And we will see you on Thursday night for Silo. Peace.